Dev, just a little bit of housekeeping, uh, podcast housekeeping before we get to the episode. Um, do we have to erase all mentions of George Takai now? <laughs> I was going to say uh, that I do have a George Takai related story to this movie. Oh, no. Because we're watching today, we're watching... Oh, yeah. Welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot. <laughs> this is the podcast where we revisit things from your childhood and see if they were any good. I'm DJ. I'm Damon. Uh, today, we're going to be watching Adam's Family Values, yes. which is literally the only movie that's ever been made about Thanksgiving <laughs> that doesn't involve planes, trains, or automobiles yeah. in its title. There, you'll see some articles out there trying to sell you on some... <laughs> Clearly Christmas movies. Miracle on 34th Street, yes, the first scene is at Thanksgiving, but it's a movie about fucking Santa Claus. That's like saying that a train from Chicago to Des Moines... I can't wait to see where this is going. ...is about Davenport. I mean, it goes through Davenport. Is that too regional? I don't... It doesn't track with me. (laughs) I'm going to have to tell you that. But I think our regional That's fans like saying in train- the Des Moines, Chicago area will love it. That's like saying a train from New York to Boston is yeah. about Yonkers. <laughs> I'm not actually know. familiar with where Yonkers is in relation Yonkers to is. Boston between New York. It is my favorite New York surrounding uh, name. What about Utica? Name? No, fuck Utica. Whoa! My great aunt was Utica. The city was founded on her person. Utica sounds like a suffix, not a city. Yeah, that's what I love. It's like it's like they didn't finish naming the place. <laughs> we got the end. What do you got in terms of prefixes? Or they were going to name it Utopia, and then they were like, got there, and they're like, Uti- Utica. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, good. This is good tape. God, we saved it for the tape. <laughs> anyway, we are watching Adam's Family Values, uh, which is tangentially Thanksgiving related in that the kids at a summer camp yeah. do a Thanksgiving themed play. That's Fuck it. That's our reasoning. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you bastards. Yes. I, I but hold on. Okay. Okay, go. We owned a tape of Adam's Family One. Mm-hmm. Uh and we got it at McDonald's through a special deal they were doing. And the beginning of the tape, because I it was made by... Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the beginning of the tape, there was like a feature from Paramount Pictures, who produced mm. Adam's Family. Um, and they were extolling all the other things I could purchase on video cassette. Mm-hmm. And it was hosted by Hakira Sulu himself... Was he in character? George Takai. No. Oh, okay. He was wearing a bla- his standard blazer turtleneck combo. <laughs> and he, uh, uh, but now it's awkward to think about. If you're listening to this in the far future, this is, uh, we're recording this when allegations have just come out against George of, of among many other people. Uh, Everyone is, you've ever cherished is a bastard and yeah. a rapist. And so um, there's... Some some allegations against him right now that have just come out. We don't really know how that what how it's going to shake out, but um, as of November 2017, it's just looking ugly all around. Yeah. What memories do you have of Adam's Family Two Electric Boogaloo? Well, chipwrecked. Before, before that, what 
what did he do in that? He was just that? like, ah, coming to tape uh, this fall. Naked Gun 33. Oh, in the right. Okay. Okay. Um, basically, the only thing I remember two things about this movie. No, I, I'm going to, I guess, I, as I'm thinking about it, I'm remembering more. But the main thing, the main takeaway is the Thanksgiving uh, play, play yeah. that they do at camp, which where Pugsley dresses up like a giant turkey and says, eat me. Yeah. Which is awesome. And then when you get Peter McNichol, uh, yes. friend of the pod, right. in a way, in that <laughs> we watched a movie with him in it, Ghostbusters 2, uh, and Christine Baranski, another friend of the pod. Never been on the show, but we did watch The Birdcage with her. Oh. And I'd like to reiterate that my friend Bob hates Christine Baranski. What? And it pisses me off to no end. That he People hates either have no opinion of Christine Baranski or they love her. There is no one who hates Christine Baranski. I can't even. Except one, Bob. I can't really even place who she is. Oh, you will. I'm sure I will. Uh, oh, you will, because it's going to be the last face you see before you die. Wow. It's part um, of Judeo-Christian mythology is that Christine Baranski visits all afflicted people. And actually, the number that she uh, that signifies her is 616. So uh, dial that before yeah. you call her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> no, and uh, obviously, and like uh, Wednesday, like, atta- like, Sets the whole thing on fire or something. Uh, yeah. And she's like, no, I cannot break bread with you, which I remember being. I'm already going to put a nomination for the Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP award for Joan Cusack because I know. She's the best in everything. She's always a treat. And I did not appreciate her because she was in a lot of stuff when we oh. were gro- growing up. <laughs> uh huh. She's not like my aunt. I did or not something. appreciate her at my birthday party <laughs> where she got drunk and fell on the cake. I did not. Appreciate her. That's a great mom face. sentence. I did not appreciate. And you're like, oh, whatever <laughs> oh this is. Oh boy, she's not mad. She's disappointed. What do you got now, Phyllis? Um, All moms are named Phyllis. Yeah, in my memory, Joan Cusack is someone who, like, she was in a lot of movies when we were growing up in the yeah. '90s and um, Working Girl. When you were a kid, watching Working Girl over and over <laughs> right. again, uh, had that one on laser disc. <laughs> Let me um, grab this. 12 inch disc and i think just because you know carefully place in a machine it's really she, convenient uh, she has a funny voice you know she talks funny and she's a cartoon I, person that's voice. about all i knew of her but like as an adult watching these things again like i've always i'm always like she's really funny <laughs> she's really great um would i rename it would i va- venture to rename it the joan cusack Memorial MVP award? No, I would not because I really like Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, just, there's no need. So get the hell out of here, Joan Cusack. Have we watched a Joan Cusack movie yet this time here know. on this podcast? I don't know if we have. She's not a friend of the pod yet, but she will be. She must have been short in something we've watched, right? I don't know. We'll get to it. Um, what about you? Anything? Anything else you want to add? All the things you said. Yeah, um, running through my head, running through my head. I just wanted to sing some tattoo real quick. Uh, but we got some Raul Julia coming at us. We got some Christopher Lloyd late, coming at us. The late Raul Julia. That's right. Best known for his role as M. Bison. Yes. His uh, finest work. Angelica Houston in both this and the previous Adams Family outing, which I think we'll do at a later date. Yeah. Um, for Halloween next year or something. Cause it's spooky. Um, she's great. 
I already loved her and pretended I had a crush on her uh, because of The Witches, another movie I'd like to do. We can have Angelica Houston October. Next okay. October, wow. mark my words. Please do, because I will definitely forget I said this. And then just for for fun, we'll watch Royal Tenenbaum, just because I really like that movie. Oh, I caught it really, on HBO. It's so great. It's not really old enough to do for this podcast. But, <laughs> um, but uh, I already pretended to have a crush on her from The Witches, and she's great in this as well. Uh as another witch adjacent woman. And Carol Kane is in this one. That's right. Which makes it better. Not that the woman in the first one who played Granny is, uh, she's nothing to shake a stick at, but I love Carol Kane and I love her. Another woman with a cartoon voice. Oh, yeah. Like, how did you always have this voice? You sound like you're toothless, but you have teeth. Another person who's great on Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt. Um, Raul Julia is dead. One of those like highly venerated. I feel like he was highly venerated actor, but I only saw him <laughs> in these two movies and in, in Bison, in, as think- in Bison and in, in Street Fighter. So like, I'm always like, I, and he's great. He's great in these movies, and and possibly as M. Bison. I mean, and I feel like he knew what he was doing in M. Bison, which is like, fuck it, I'm um, dying. Give me my check. Yeah, as uh, in Street Fighter. I mean, um, but. I never saw him in anything else, so I don't. I think know that's this. when that happens to me, where I'm like, "Why is this person so respected?" Yeah, I usually get like another gay will look at me and be like, "Broadway," and I'm like, "Oh, sorry, okay, I'm sorry." Was I don't, he like a? Yeah, I think he was a big Broadway okay. actor. Well, I'm sorry, I haven't seen that movie, so <laughs> uh, it's called Smash. Uh, <laughs> he, he played Mr. Smash, but you know who was in Smash? Angelica Houston. Wow. That's meaningless, but didn't it sound like it was a twist? It did sound it like It had the just feel of a twist, really... but it's meaningless. I'm going to nominate that for the transitions. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the 2017 segue of meaninglessness goes to Damon Zampopoulos. Um, we are going to watch Adam's Family Values on, as of... November 2017, it's available on Amazon Prime, so we're just going to watch it there. But not the uh, first one. If I saw your menu correctly, mm. the second one was on Prime, and the first one was not. Wow. Well, we'll Fuckers. deal with that next year. <laughs> <laughs> Cross that bridge when we get to it. All right, we're going to watch the movie. We'll see you in just a bit. You know, uh, around this time of year... DJ. Yeah. I'd like to do a little unique thing that's unique to only me and no one else. Uh huh. I like to give thanks. Oh. And I specifically like to give thanks to the podcasts I listen mm-hmm. to. Yes. This is still solid. Use yes. all of this. Uh, and you can do that for this podcast. I mean, I wouldn't do it because then the money would just come back to me. Yeah, that's weird. And, and you don't get into like, like a money laundering situation. Gets weird because it like seems half like half of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I'm losing money. Like I put in five dollars, I get two fifty back. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But you, comma, dear listener, comma can give to this podcast by going to uh you know uh patreon.co.uk no slash uh australian this marriage equality slash your inner child is an idiot dash php why don't you just tell them to go to your inner child is an idiot.com you know what you, Even better. you don't have to type as much but it'll redirect to the URL I just listed. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how you'll know it's real. And you can donate uh, 
money to our podcast to keep us uh, chugging along, puffing yeah. along. Not puffing along, chugging along. Stick with pugging, chugging, chugging, chugging. You can be a part Go of this. You, this, oh. this enriching conversation that we're having right now, you could be <laughs> a real part of it. Maybe I mean, not the conversation we're having right now. You're, I mean, you're already a part of it because you're listening to it, but... You not can, really being part of a conversation, though? I mean, but if you're listening to it and not giving us money, I mean, we don't give a fuck about you. I mean, let's be honest. All right. All right. You get the gist. Just donate. Yourinnerchildsanidiot.com Slash co dot au dot rs. Rs. No, ru. Russian. It's a Russian site. do the song that they sang at the end of this movie which isn't dated at all oh yeah Hoop, the, the adams family there, there it is, is. Hoop, the adams family there, there it is. is what was our mom phrase i already forgot it i <laughs> i i did I not don't appreci- appreciate i did not appreciate the way you acted at the beach today um we're back we watched <laughs> Adams Family Values. Is it the Adams Family Values or no, Adams it's just, Family Values? Oh, the Adams Family Values. Mm. I did not know that this was originally a comic strip. You didn't? No. I knew Charles it was a, Adams. I knew about the TV show, television program of the 60s that looked like it was from the 30s or whatever. Well, it was in black and white. <laughs> yeah. So that might have thrown you off. But I mean, television wasn't really around in the 30s, at least in a popular format so they wouldn't be making tv shows <laughs> i meant 50s so uh but yeah i knew about the the old tv show but i did not know about the comics thank you for asking uh charles adams uh was a cartoonist and he did cartoons for the new yorker featuring a family of very uh goth oh you're doing a hammer no i'm just i'm just directing uh, your goth, speech uh styled family uh they were never named uh, but they gained the the name of the Adams family, spelled in the very uh, a particular way that With Charles double Adams double D's, double D's, double D. Oh, no. um, I already, I immediately regretted it when I said it. Um, and none of the characters were named. And actually, the show went to Charles Adams to name all the characters when oh. they when they were writing the show. We so did a good job. <laughs> good job, Charles. Um, when you uh, inevitably draw um, a, a comic for this episode, I on definitely Instagram, will. Um, will you draw it in the style of Charles Adams? I know you like doing in in the style Ooh, of things. I do like a challenge. Yeah, that is your challenge from me. Okay, to you. Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so let's talk about this movie. Um, you want to do a quick recap? Yeah. So you have two seconds. Well, I can't do it that quickly. Adam Finley, kids go to camp. Yeah, the uh, oh, I sort of just went with the B storyline, really. Yeah, they have uh, a new baby is born. Yeah, into the Adams family, pubert, pubert, and uh, the kids are jealous. Uh, Wednesday and Pugsley are jealous, so, and then a nanny. They they try to hire a nanny, and she's actually a uh, black widow. Uh, marries men, takes their fortune, and then kills them. Um, played by Joan Cusack. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and she sets her sights on Fester, pretends to be a nanny, sends the kids off to camp. To get uh, rid of them because they're getting suspicious. Yeah, marries Fester, uh, tells him he can't see his family again, tries to kill him, not successfully. Eventually, Very comical failures in murder. Eventually, she holds the entire Adams family hostage and uh, when they're reunited, and then uh, the baby somehow... Pubert. Pubert uh, electrocutes her, and she's dying, and the family's... Oh, Forgot to Happily a ever note. After. I'm Sat- gonna write myself a note about that climax. Macabre ever after. Um, <laughs> that's basically what happens. Yeah, and then there's the great camp story, which we'll talk about, which is the B story. But it's it's what you came for. It's what you paid your money, your entrance fee for. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, okay, what do you you got? Any things you want to start? Uh, I wrote Angel. My first note. My first note of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Angelica Houston's eye lighting. That's my first note, She too. gets a slash of light in every goddamn shot, even yeah. in group shots, which yeah. is kind of amazing. Every, she's lit a completely slash of light else. across her eyes. It's kind of amazing. It is, yeah. And they're very consistent the entire movie. The whole time. They must have, like, uh, accentuated with makeup or something, too, because it, it's like, that must have been really difficult in some of those group shots. You think like, she has a slash of white makeup across her face? Like war paint? Maybe. I don't know. I think it's specifically lighting. I mean, have you ever seen, uh, you know, the uh, cleavage makeup that people do? It's pretty amazing. I have seen drag queens, DJ, if that's what you're getting at. That was what I was The old drag queen makeup. Um, You know, if you've been tricked by cleavage makeup before, it's okay. This is a safe space and no one's gonna, no one's gonna judge you. Except many of our listeners. Is that why, like... <laughs> I'm hoping for, like, a real revelation. Now, is that why... <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, is that why people are, like, so, uh, like, pissed off about uh, when people are um, dress up like the uh, the other gender or whatever? And they Oh, because like, the tricks, yeah, the trickster, transgender people? trick me, and I'm like, I don't think that's what they're trying to do. No, uh, what they are angry about is that they are attracted to a person like on when the, Bugs Bunny dress. <laughs> they're attracted to Bugs. You know, that's R. Crumb's like story, like R. Crumb, the cartoonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very attracted to Bugs Bunny in drag. That what? Like one of his like formulating like his one of his first memories of like a sexual memory is Bugs Bunny in drag. Okay. How about that? Him and How Garth about- Algar from. <laughs> uh, so the beginning of the movie is just like, as well as uh, the impressive lighting across more. Wait, I just want to go back to people yeah. who are uh, claimed to be tricked by trans yeah. people. Yeah. Or drag queens that they didn't realize are drag queens. Yeah. Uh, those people are just people who are into trans people or gender bending people and they don't want to admit it to themselves. So it's they like- blame the other person for it. It's like someone who's like you, you, they're like so they're like so in the closet that they'll like kill a gay person. You know yeah, what I mean? That's right. Yeah, that's or a, like I mean even in a lesser example, like when a girlfriend like fights the woman that her boyfriend was cheating on her with, and I'm like, I feel like your argument is with your boyfriend, right? Yeah. Why are you pulling her hair, <laughs> sisters? Misdirected. We're doing it for ourselves. We gotta <laughs> stick together. This conversation is all over the place. This got weird. All I'm right. Sorry. 
in addition to uh, Morticia's excellent uh, lighting across her face, basically the whole... I don't know, half of the first act of the movie is just the kids uh, Wednesday Pugsley <laughs> trying to kill their baby, new baby brother. They uh, try to throw him off of the top of the the house, yeah. off mm. the roof. They call it a roof. Uh, that's just a little architectural term. Oh. Hold on. I've been... Okay, I'm fine. Um, they uh, try to chop off its head with a guillotine. <laughs> I like that which one. Which one of my favorites, because it is historically accurate. Yeah. Um... And uh, what else do they do? They just try to shoot it. There's a yeah, scene they, where Morticia and yeah. Gomez are out in the graveyard, and you just hear the kids inside, and they're obviously trying to shoot Hold the baby. Still. <laughs> it's dark. And I like that there's no funny. like concern, like, oh, it'll probably all work out in the end. Yeah. In Morticia and Gomez's minds. Uh, I did like the line later on in the movie uh, when Fester uh, is pining for love generally. And Gomez says, I hope one day you know the indescribable joy of having children and paying someone else to raise them. Mm. I like the Adamses because they're obviously rich. Right. And there's a tinge of, like, horribly, horribleness of wealth. Like, the right. just, like, being, you know, uh, so wealthy that you're out of touch with society. But there's also, in later parts, there. It also feeds, scratches this other itch where they send their kids to a, a camp for, quote, gifted children. We later learn that that gift is being privileged. Money, yeah. Um, although they would never refer to the money. They always refer to it as privilege or being gifted. Right. And um, it's obvious that the Adams are then, again, outsiders and view all these rich white kids with disdain as well. Um, so that might, you could read that maybe as hypocrisy, but you could also read it as, well, I don't know. You could read it as just hypocrisy. Right. Well, I mean, it's clearly satire, but they're sort of like living in it at the same time. Right. You know? Yeah. I like that they acknowledge their wealth, but they don't seem to use their wealth for evil, like the Buckman's. Well, I mean, not social evil, even though they seem to be very interested in the occult and stuff like that. They seem to be very nice people. Yeah. Like, that's the, one of the <laughs> yeah, greatest sure. bits of the Adams in almost all every format is that they are constantly being encountered by regular society, but yeah. always seeming like the better elements of that society in the end, even though they are outcasts. Right. They always treat everyone politely. They're always very open and honest with everyone. They are very sex positive. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, they're open to uh, different lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Um, they like Victorian clothes. Um, <laughs> Why is that one I don't of your know. examples? But I mean, when, when Wednesday uh, and Pugsley Wednesday. go to... <laughs> Wednesday go to and camp. Pugsley. They their their group that they end up with are these marginalized yeah. people, which involve you know uh, a kid in a wheelchair, kids the, in a wheelchair, yeah, a kid with uh, the 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 overweight girl, people with different yeah. body types, uh, people of color, uh, the Jewish kid who has a lot of allergies that may be <laughs> real or imagined, um, and that's very charming. Like even their yeah. wealth doesn't. Uh, I guess it does separate them from society in a certain way, but it also, uh, because of their oddities, like makes them aligned with different parts of society that wouldn't necessarily uh, mesh well with the upper crust rich people. Right. Which I just want to bring this up: everyone else in camp, aside from the people that the, the Adamses end up uh, hanging with in the end, are all blonde 
blue-eyed yeah. children in yeah. a very creepy way. Like, Village of the Damned creepy. Yeah. Um, what did you like? Well, you named something you liked. Go ahead. I dare you. Or um, something you hated. I mean, if if we had uh, tried to like name all the characters, I probably we I probably would have come up with them. But I kind of forgot about Thing and Lurch until we watched the movie. You know, Thing is the hand, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then Lurch is the uh, the butler. I mean, yeah, the giant butler. Uh, the kind of Frankenstein-y. Kind I always of- forget. I actually don't forget about them, but I forget about Pugsley, especially in this one. He yeah. just seems to be like they don't know what to do with him. They're really He's pretty like, normal. We just want yeah. Wednesday to be saying sarcastic jokes. Um, the camp counselor. <laughs> Do we get their names? Uh, the Grangers. Yes. Gary Granger and Becky Martin Granger. Becky Martin Granger. So I don't know if they're supposed to be. I think they're married. A couple. Okay. Yeah. Um, they do every time they're like enthused or trying to excite their, their campers. <laughs> they uh-huh. clap and then jump with just, they leave their na- knees in place and just... Essentially, their body stays in the same place, but their knees just, their the backs of their, the bottoms of their legs just kick up behind them. Someday... It's haunting in a weird way. Someday when it's not 9 p.m. and uh, <laughs> I'm going to try it. But, uh, you might get hurt. It's not a 9 p.m. activity, that jump, that jump. Oh, yeah, you want to, that's an early morning thing. Uh, but that, that was... Um, the guy from Ghostbusters 2 was his name again. Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol and... Christine Baranski. Bob's uh, least favorite actress. Uh, now that I know who that is, I don't understand. How could you... I can understand not having an opinion. Bob, if you're listening, 615-576-0525. <laughs> please leave us a message. We will play it on the, on the show. Uh, I think I brought it up during the Birdcage episode, too. It just <laughs> angers me so much. <laughs> Next Christine Baranski movie, Bob is our going to be our co-host. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a Christine Baranski movie that we may have already. No, she's in a lot of shit. I mean, um, I mean that in the best way, but I mean she's just in a lot of things. So when you said uh, "Scream if you need anything," you said that was in the comic. That is taken from an original Charles Adams cartoon mm. uh, with a similar premise where someone's staying at their house. I think in the cartoon it's a man staying in a guest room in a, that looks like a jail cell. Yeah. And you just see Morticia leaving and saying, scream if you need anything. Okay. That was so... And he's terrified. Um, what's her name? The Deb. Deb. Debbie decides to stay uh, in, at live in, be their living nanny and on her first night. That's That's what happens. So... Um, but yeah, you mentioned that was from the comic and I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. You did ask in a weird way. And I was like, what? What? Huh? Uh, I love Christopher Lloyd in this. And I say, said this, like I do anytime I view a Christopher Lloyd movie, which was what happened to Christopher Lloyd. Um, <laughs> he made his money and he moved on with his life. I don't think that's, I mean, he was working from taxi and he went into back to the future. He had Roger Rabbit. He Suburban had these Commando. Movies. Suburban Commando, as we all know and love. He was in Clue. Mm-hmm. Like, why would he just stop in 1994? And he didn't stop. He's in a lot of, like, shitty movies. Yeah. Like Santa Buddies. What is that? It's from the Airbud Cinematic Universe. There's an Airbud. Oh, DJ, my sweet summer child. There is an <laughs> Air Bud cinematic universe. Air Bud played every sport you can imagine. Oh, buddies. Okay, I get it. Like, And that's... then it went into the metaphysical realm. Oh, boy. Where puppies 
Schrodinger's Airbud. <laughs> Where puppies eventually get to the North Pole in some way. Are you with me? Oh, yeah. I'm and uh, they become Santa's... Rain dogs. Buddies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christopher Lloyd plays some uh, guy in a... Um, I like that you pronounce both L's in his last name <laughs> yeah. just then. Sorry. Christopher Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> Yo, it's pronounced plays Yoid. Like, it's he Spanish. runs a kennel or something. And it's shit. <laughs> oh, I just remembered. Christopher Lloyd was the child molester in Dennis the Menace. Oh, What? Dennis the Menace! No, I know what Dennis the Menace is. I didn't remember that there was a child molester. Oh, well, I mean, he's, like, just a creepy guy, but to me, like, you watching know. it... Watching it now, it's like, so he, like, molests kids. Ugh. God. Like, he lives under a bridge. Like an ogre. Like a mythical ogre. Oh, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> Yoid. Oh, Christopher Yoid. Uh, but he's so great, and I want to say... Uh, he has a lot of great uh, jokes in this about being an awkward guy yeah. with women, uh, sticking breadsticks in his nose at the restaurant. To impress Debbie. To impress Debbie. She looks away, looks back at him after he's removed them, and he immediately, like, quickly tries to shove them back in his nostrils. <laughs> that um, bit works so well. I gotta get back to it. <laughs> he also, there's a great bit where um, Angelica Houston and Debbie go to the bathroom in, in on their double date. There, there's a scene in the bathroom, and uh, Angelica Houston is just saying, you know, he's really quite shy, but he's really a wonderful guy. And Debbie says, do you really think he likes me? And there, it's just a shot of them looking in the mirror, and uh, Angelica Houston says, oh, yes, of course, he vomited. And only then do you realize that Debbie picks up a napkin and starts brushing at yeah. her her collar, and you see that there's this like wet stain, which is a great visual gag because it's there the whole time if you yeah. know to look for it, but right. you don't notice it until she starts wiping it. There's also a great when they come back from the bathroom. Uh, Gomez, you know, in all his charm and lady killer, he quit. Um, attitude, he oh, I'll quit it. That's yeah. what he says. Yeah. Um, he starts saying, uh, we are the two luckiest guys in this room. <laughs> Look at these beautiful women. They're, they're perfect. Uh, and then he like sort of nudges Christopher Yoid and, um, Christopher doesn't know what's, Fester doesn't know what's going on at first. And then he realizes and he goes, oh yeah, we deserve ugly girls. Yeah. And just the way he says it. And so confidently, he's like really proud it of himself. Really makes me laugh and to then, no end to beat the band. Even before that, when, um, before they decide to go to dinner, uh, they're leaving the house, Morticia and, and uh, <laughs> Gomez, and they, and, uh, they walk by Debbie and they're like, okay, here's all the numbers or whatever. And then they're like, Fester, come on. And then he, he just kind of clings to the rail. It's a shot like down at them, like overhead. Right, over really the, the stairway. Yeah. And he like clings to the, like as far away from her as he can, and, like, and like scuffles by. And then they're like, Fester, say goodbye. And he goes up and just goes like, <laughs> and then runs away. He's so nervous. Uh, that was very funny. Um, uh, one thing I will say while we're on the subject of Christopher Yoid. Yeah. Uh, I'm on the fence about his padding as Fester. It's- yeah. There are moments where, especially where he's, there's a few scenes where he's laying down or leaning back and it looks like he's wearing umpire's pads. Well, once like that chest piece that umpires wear. I think once he's out of his like normal fester wear, it's, it's <laughs> like, it doesn't work anymore. Right. He's wearing like a night, uh, a, a night shirt at one yeah. point and it's just like, what? And then he wears like a, a little like pastel suit. Yeah. Oh, Debbie pastels. <laughs> um, 
And that always looks weird. He also, <laughs> I started a list of things he looked like when he was in that suit that we can go over later. Oh, yeah. But um, I wrote, I wasn't, I wasn't, like, when he's walking around, it's not so bad because his head is still kind of gaunt. Right. And his big body gives him this very unique silhouette that I was kind of like. It's like a vulture kind of. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. kind of like, yeah, I like this. Yeah. This look, like, kind of works, even though it's obvious that he's in some sort of padding. But. When he laid down, it became obvious, like, that's not how a body works. Right, yeah. Gravity will take hold at some point. <laughs> um, so I was kind of on the fence, like, I was 50% either way. Um, can we talk about uh, Debbie for a second? Um, yes, we can always talk about that. Debbie. This is Joan Cusick as Debbie, what is her? Well, Jelinski. Jelinski, that's right. Um, <laughs> well, it's not her real name anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, Sure. She um, Her first night, so after the scream, if you need anything, it shows her like watching like a true crime show that's about her. Presumably, America's most I think disgusting, disgusting criminals, yeah. and it's, and that's how we learn that she's you know a black widow mm-hmm. kind of thing. And they describe her whole thing, and then she's watching with interest like while eating bonbons, <laughs> and then and like, reacting, like, and reacting, shocked. and then also like pointing to things like it's like. Like she's not pointing, but it, it, the, the, the camera, camera shuts keeps, to yeah. like magazine clippings of all her killings that she's just got spread out on the floor <laughs> in the house of the person she's trying to approach. My favorite one of those shots is Peter Graves plays the host of that that crime show, and he says uh, she takes that money and runs, but the money never lasts. And it like the camera just shot shoots to uh, like the bedside and table, and it's like three dollars and forty seven <laughs> yeah. cents. I'm like, I love that she would have gone through a fortune, and this is all I got. And then she just lays it out, all of her money. <laughs> And then also it, it cuts through all her identities and she's got pictures of herself on the wall right. of all these different identities. And one of them is Kathy Lee Gifford, yeah. which I really liked. And Frank Gifford is now dead, so. Well, I think we know what happened. Yeah. I think it was cancer. Yeah, it was. That's not a funny joke. That's that's a man with a family, you sons of bitches. Yeah. Uh, we also have... <clears> uh, <laughs> uh, Fester, we have a Fester thing masturbation joke. So I marked three, at least three masturbation jokes. One where it's implied that he uses thing, the house pet, who is a hand, yeah. to masturbate. One where uh, Debbie says she's a virgin, and uh, he asks, "What's that?" And she says, "It's when you've not engaged in the physical act of love." And he goes, "Oh, you mean with another so person? person?" Yeah. So that was one. And then, uh, what was the third one? I think I might be counting their uh, boudoir scene, which is, she. Uh, it's implied she jacks him off. And then we watch or Christopher Lloyd like barely orgasm, possibly. Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester. Christopher Lloyd. Climaxing. Uh, Thank you. I'm done with my penis now. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I won't be needing this anymore, <laughs> but thanks for the memories. Uh, a lot of these are, we're going to get to it because it's all Christina Ricci all the time. I'm going to come back. I'm going to swoop around to I can't wait for the, 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 the heated race for Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP Award. Yeah. Um, oh, also at the restaurant, um, Fester um, <laughs> is just holding a roll in his mouth. <laughs> And then Morticia said something about, don't you want... Um, Doesn't Debbie look nice? Yeah, and he just and reacts by just roll. taking the roll out of his mouth and handing it to her without making eye contact. It's very good. 
Okay, um, before I do want to get Christina Ricci, I want to treat it all as a solid block of Christina Ricci at camp. Yeah. Um, I do want to say this one thing, and yeah. maybe this is something I should say for the end of the discussion. One of the things I like okay. about the Adams Family movies, I'll trust that you can edit this to the end of the discussion no. if need be. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, just make sure you edit that to the end. Uh, just interrupt yourself a lot and... <laughs> And keep help. referring to things in the past and <laughs> yeah. future, so it makes it really hard. Um, we see the Adamses react. They like, you know, they drop the kids at summer camp. They stop at a police station in this one. Um, they go to the hospital and uh, meet Fraser's brother briefly. Um, yeah, he delivers the the baby. He's a doctor, but you never see his face on. Never the see his face. Only in knowing what David Hyde Pierce looks like, because I was a. Uh, young gay in the 90s so i watched a lot of frazier huh. uh <laughs> so i know what david hyde pierce's eyebrows and eyes look like behind a mask the Adamses obviously like live in our world which i like because right. that those i think are the best scenes and i think this movie if it has a flaw is it doesn't have enough of that in the first third before right. the kids get to camp is it's just the Adams in their own environment and that sort of is boring like the the whole the best part of the Adams is the, when they react the to the real the world kind of, yeah. or the fish out of the water but they aren't almost the premise is like they are fish out of water but they almost make everyone else the fish out of water because they're yeah. so comfortable in their own skin right. yeah. that they, it doesn't bother them so everyone else is uncomfortable by their presence um but there's also what I noticed, especially in this movie, because they have a bachelor party for uh, Uncle Fester and sort of a bachelorette party for Debbie, is that they also have all these friends that are not yeah. related to them that also share their like lifestyle. Yeah. So there's all these Victorian weirdos like <laughs> hanging around. <laughs> so they have like a whole community. But yet there's still like the real world where there's Buicks and pastels. I love it. What do you think the people... There's a whole bistro that they attend, for example, where there's a one-armed, like, World War I veteran that that (laughs) Angelica Houston strokes the face of. It's in a cave, yeah. Uh, What do you think? So, you know, every era has their, like... You know, there's weird, like what you'd call weirdos, you know, outcasts, people who would, you know, be on sure. the fringes of society, which at the Adamses are, are a part and they're all their friends. So what, what would these people have done before the Victorian era? Would they have been like, like what would they have looked like? Yeah. Well, what would have been the, the, like, what would they have embraced? Like, a would they be wearing like, uh, like powdered wigs? Yeah. Possibly. Powdered wigs. Yeah. Judges robes. They also might be all dressed like Puritans. I don't need to punch the microphone. <laughs> That's how you make a point. Yeah. If you're not punching a mic. Are you listening? Wow. That's uh, what I used to do on my Christian youth radio show. Hey, God's talking. You listening? <laughs> Ugh. Huh. Yeah, I'm going to go with Puritan, uh, giant hats, buckled shoes. Okay. Probably everyone has a bob. Was that a Puritan thing? Yeah, I feel like that. whenever you see pictures of pilgrims, you know, photographs of pilgrims, they all have got that, like, <laughs> that Dorothy Hamill thing going on. Mm. Do you think, is that where she got it, you think? Mm-hmm. She was actually a time-traveling Puritan. <laughs> uh, they considered her a witch, and she used her witch powers to get out of there and 
discovered ice skating. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> or um, gymnastics. I can't remember the, what the fuck Dar- Dorothy Hamill did. Oh, wait. I want to cross off uh, Christopher Yoid's padding. Most, yeah, most of what I have left is Wednesday slash Christina Ricci I literally slash. have no notes on Christopher. I, I uh, have it memorized, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it's just, she has a lot... Like, uh, Throughout the movie, like her storyline takes over. Wait, who are you talking about? Wednesday. Hold on. Okay, you've got more before Wednesday. Uh, Debbie uh, makes over Uncle Fester. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After they get married, she puts him in like uh, white suits <laughs> with pastel shirts, almost like Miami Vice like, and then gives him this almost like monk like, uh, like little Dutch boy. Haircut. The Javier Bardem, no <laughs> he, country for old men. We wrote down, he looks like three things. <laughs> Phil Spector, Anton Sugar from uh, No Country for Old Men, and Marge Schott. Or, on the same line as uh, Marge Schott, uh, Pete Rose. <laughs> late, late era <laughs> Pete Rose. If Marge Schott and Pete Rose had a child, it would be Uncle Vester. First you off. Know, they might have. Calm your erection. We're trying to have, have a podcast here. Yeah. And Pete excited. Rose... Love child. Oof. All right, now we can talk about Christina Ricci. Yeah, she... Um, yeah. Ca- like, her, her one-liners. Everybody gets some one-liners. You know, Morticia's got some great ones. Uh, Gomez has got some great ones. Fester gets a lot of fun physical comedy as well. And, of course, mm-hmm. jo- Joan Cusick is great as, like, sort of the overall villain. But, like, Christina Ricci, comedic... Christina Ricci immediately is carrying this movie. She has like all the one-liners, all the ones that were in the trailer yeah. for her. Uh, you know, like, is is that, what was that? Is that your outfit? Is that your swimsuit? Is that your overbite? <laughs> you know, like, just like, boop, catty. And then uh, the, the, the same girl, who's the the sort of rival at camp. What's her name? Amanda the, Buckman. Amanda Buckman. And then she also, I'll play the victim. She goes, all your life, which is my favorite <laughs> one. But she has a lot of those. I mean, we don't need to go through all the lines, but uh, she uh, she's great. And I wonder if it like, you know, I have no patience for children acting. Yeah. And uh, I feel like the fact that she gets to be deadpan and doesn't even really have to look at anyone. Yeah. Is to a child actor's benefit. I think so. But uh, she's also like she nails it. And also I'm not like the- disrespecting Christina. Ricci. Yeah. I'm just saying in general for children. And the other, the other kids I thought did a good job too. Like Pugsley doesn't have many lines, but he does See? do a they good knew. job. And then, uh, you know, the Amanda Bugman character is supposed to be obnoxious. She does a good job at that. But then, uh, her, she does put a D in drowning. She, I'm drowning, drowning, which is something that I feel like a little, girl Oh, I would have done yeah. that as a child. Uh, but what's, what's the love interest, uh, Wednesday's love interest? Joel, Joel Glickman. He, he's really or Bli- good. Glicker? Blick- Gicker, okay, He's the same kid who played the head elf in Santa Claus. We we learned. I, I knew he looked. And familiar, he was but. in uh, my mom's favorite CBS crime drama that doesn't involve Tom Selleck. Numbers, blue numbers. She loves Blue Bloods, though. She won't shut up about it now. Wow, loves fa- Blue Bloods. I found out who's watching Blue Bloods. It's, it's your Phyllis Xanthopoulos. Yeah. And she, the weird thing is, she owns ten thousand TVs. So that's how those Nielsen ratings go. Uh, okay. And they sent that many <laughs> pamphlets to her to her house. Uh, she sleeps like a vampire. Wednesday does at, at uh, like she has. She her does arms cross her arms. Yeah, and I remember watching this movie and then trying that as a kid. 
Um, cause we would have been like 11 or something when this Cause she does out. it in the first movie as well. She goes yeah, to bed. So maybe it was the first one where I like saw that. that. And, uh, um, I remember trying that being like, Oh, I wonder if that's comfortable. And, and no, it is not. <laughs> Only Wednesday can pull that can't off. Um, I do love, I mean, I feel like that if the movie was just the serial killer stuff with Debbie, even though I love Joan Cusack, it wouldn't have been able to hold itself up. So I yeah. love the, the fact, because I mean, most of it, as I said, like the most of this, that a story is within the Adams household. Yeah. So I think it is important that they go, that they take the kids to summer camp right. so that we can get that sweet, sweet. Fish out of water action. But I think there's something about, I think um, Joan Cusack as Debbie has like, she has too much narrative weight to carry to be the comic relief. She's like, even though she's funny, she definitely right. has funny and she's like crazy and, and homicidal and all that. And she does that well. And spastic. A yeah. Little spastic. And she gets, she gets some comic beats and jokes for sure. But like she's, she's got the story on her back, you know, mm-hmm. like, which you need, you need that character, but it's like, she can't, for me, she can't win the, uh. Catherine O'Hara Award because she's, she's <laughs> she has too much uh, narrative yeah. weight to pull. She she was it wasn't that funny. She wasn't the funny part of this movie, even though she did have Malibu. Bar that, her monologue at the end when she's explaining <laughs> why she you know she does what she does, which is basically the real answer is she's a lunatic. Um, but she tries to explain it by saying like she tries parents, to justify every yeah. murder she's because uh, yeah. her parents didn't give triggered. her the right Barbie. Then yeah. Sorry, Debbie. Debbie. We need to set an example. <laughs> uh, I did love uh, Christina Ricci smiling. Yeah, the creepy Her smile, forced smile. When I they're did. like clockwork orange, they uh, uh, they they, they, they trap, get brainwashed. Yeah, they brainwash uh, the three kids, uh, Pugsley, Wednesday, and um, Joel. 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 They like trap them in this little hut and, and make watch, them watch cheery his, movies. Yeah, and then at the end, she comes out and then tr- smiles, and you can just see like to show that she's she's changed. Yeah, and it is oddly haunting. Um, and I did like. Get a little, uh, my heart grew three sizes that day, uh, watching her and Joel sort of fall for each other because they were like the perfect amount of weird for each other. And they were just nerds, honestly. Um, but let's talk about the play. Yes. Gary Granger throws a play every year. And this year's play is the first Thanksgiving in all its delicious, horrible racism. Yes. Um, Gary and Gary Granger is clearly like unhinged in general. Like he, uh, all, all Joel wants to do. The reason he doesn't like him is he doesn't want to do anything <laughs> uh-huh. and he just wants to read, which a is a brief history of time by Stephen. He's Hawking. reading a brief history of time. And when he gets, uh, initially gets pushed into the, the first time into the happy hut or whatever it's uh-huh. called, he, he takes his book away and says, not on my time, four eyes. <laughs> it's amazing. And he pulls a guitar out of nowhere when he catches Sings the kids Kumbaya. Uh, trying to escape. Uh, he just has a guitar with him and sings, leads everyone in Kumbaya. Um, he uh, has written uh, the first Thanksgiving, yeah, complete with choreography, mm-hmm. and you can tell like this is when he starts to really become an unhinged. We watch him drag a child off the stage yeah, when she won't do his choreography. He's just slapping <laughs> children with the, with his uh, with his script. script. Yeah, um, but eventually, I guess like it's parents' weekend at the camp to to throw this play, and um, Amanda Buckman she gets to play Sarah Miller, who is the head pilgrim, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, she says a few uh, choice racist things, which is, um, 
one of which is you're just like us, except we have last names and what does she say? Shampoo. Oh, uh, yeah. we uh, have last names and wear shoes. Yeah. Um, and she says something about shampoo. Um, it refers to them as savages. And um, eventually, um, Christina Ricci comes out as an anachronistic Pocahontas mm-hmm. um, and says, uh, at first, she's very cheerful and says, you know, oh, Sarah Miller, you truly are beautiful. And then when uh, Sarah invites them to sit, she says, we cannot break bread with you. Mm-hmm. And then uh, regales the audience with all the horrible things that white people have done to uh, Native peoples of America. And then burns the set Literally to the ground. Literally sets it on fire. And ties Amanda up to a post, stuffs an apple in her mouth, and With help from her lighting. misfit friends. Yes, yeah. it is a charming sight to see a blonde girl being tied to a pole by a girl in a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, and then sets uh, Becky and Gary Granger over a fire on a rotisserie. Yeah. Um, it's really great. And I suggest watching it on YouTube. It's a great thing to watch every Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's a classic scene for anyone who, you know, was terrorized by blonde girls in high school. It's heartwarming. Really? Um, we've also, before that, before the play falls to shit, we've got Pugsley singing, eat me dressed as a giant. <laughs> Which is funny when so they they start with eat us and they say all a couple of funny lines in it about we uh, one, we once had lives but we are now our food yeah and as people dressed up as like other turkeys but also like other corn and other yeah. food stuff and then and the kids, the parents are all enjoying it. it's funny when Pugsley comes out and says eat me then you have uh, Amanda's parents kind of go like oh just <laughs> really funny. Um, and when um, it's revealed to Joel's parents that he is in with these these misfits who are now burning down the set, his parents, one of which is played by the director, Barry Sonnenfeld, um, he, the, the father says, well, he needs friends. And she's like, well, friends like these? I mean, $30,000 for summer camp, and now he's Mr. Woo Woo, <laughs> uh, which always makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, and they get their comeuppance, too. He pulls a lever in it, and they fall off the back of the... Stands. It is a very cathartic scene, but it is and not our killed. climax, technically. No, no, it's not. Can you describe our climax? Because this is where I feel like I feel like the the movie, aside from that Thanksgiving play, the movie starts to go at least the A line, the A storyline yeah. starts to go off the rails in the last third because they seem to be spinning their wheels a little bit. At one point, pubert gets quote unquote sick, which re- yeah. results in pubert having beautiful blonde curls and rosy cheeks, and all the decor in his room has changed it's changed to beautiful pastel, like a normal baby, um, and. A, uh, it's very funny, and they get a few jokes, my favorite of which is Angelica Houston reading The Cat in the Hat to Pubert and saying things like, are you enjoying this? And then <laughs> and at the end, the she end. skips <laughs> the end and says, oh, no, he, he lives. <laughs> um, uh, there are a lot of great jokes like that, uh, and and Carol Kane gets a great speech. Uh, if this continues on, we're talking dimples. Not in um, this house. <laughs> but, I mean, it also sort of feels like we're just sort of throwing like tracks in front of the train because they don't know what to do. Because even then later, Gomez gets sick and he's bedridden and yeah. singing Swing Low Sweet Chariot. Um, and it's sort of kind of like, uh, where are we going with all this? Right. Um, Debbie blows up the house that Fester is in while she pretends to go and get champagne. With, he, of course, survives. And, and that's where we get uh, Tony Shalhoub. 
He plays right. Tony Shalhoub. She goes to happy hour and gets met by a bunch of French-looking sailors. Yeah. Um, he's clearly like some other nationality. I'm not sure why. I guess they had French. very outdated sailor outfits yeah. on, and they're singing uh, macho, they're singing man, macho man. And she realizes it's almost six thirty, which is when her bomb was going to go off. So she had to leave them. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of great like joke setups, but it, the story just seems to be like sort of spinning off the rails while it's like filling time. And uh, so she blows up the house. Fester survives. Meatloaf in hand. Mm-hmm. Thing rescues, rescues him, and they drive back to the Adams house. Debbie uh, follows them. Yep. And then she takes the entire Adams. And, oh, uh, Fester gets home. The kids get home at the same time. And then Debbie follows them all in with a gun, puts them in electric chairs, and then she gets to deliver her great comic monologue about, mm-hmm. you know, all the justifications for killing her parents. They bought her a Malibu Barbie instead of Ballerina right. Barbie. Killing her heart surgeon husband, uh, who uh, forgot dinner because he was treating the Pope yep. for a cold. I don't know why a heart surgeon would be dealing with a cold, but still. Um, and kills senator. a senator by running him into the garage door with a car. Um, all very funny. Oh, and then, well, then also the climax, I feel like, also goes off the rail because she's tied everyone up except, of course, Pubert in right. his bassinet. Who is who now trans- He's tra- transformed back into his normal self because right. he's the family's no back set. together. So a, f- a, a burst of flame comes out, and we are to presume that he's back to normal. And then is that did, what that yeah. signifies? Yeah. I thought it was just like mood setting. <laughs> no, I think it was like, oh, he's back to normal. Um, so when Pubert, Pubert escapes from his bassinet. Has a little baby's day out. Uh, yeah. Uh, like... Uh, Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, very Wiley Coyote, uh, you know, Buttons and Mindy type deal. There's like, yeah, a bowling ball is involved, and then it, like, eventually yeah, the it bowling ball falls through the floor onto Grandmama's uh, cauldron, cauldron yeah. w- which sends it flying up into the air, which sends it hurtling back towards the house, shoots, uh, hits the baby on like a piece of spare wood yeah, so it's like that shoots the baby yeah, out or- into the to the stratosphere. Which allows the baby to pass by the Buckman's plane, which does, is yeah. a great visual gag of the baby just <laughs> comes up to the window of the plane <laughs> while they're just sitting there, sort of like put out by their daughter almost being murdered right at summer camp. Fair. <laughs> I would describe that as put out. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's this whole rigmarole, and eventually Pubert lands in the basement where all the Adamses are tied up to. Yeah. Uh, Electric chairs, mm-hmm. and um, she rewires the whole setup somehow. Somehow he's got he finds two loose ends, which we were like, wouldn't that have already have that not made have the whole thing moot? But, but then whatever, he, somehow he rewires it so the 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 electric current reverses and just goes back kills to Debbie, Debbie. kills yeah. her, turns her into dust mm-hmm. and gold cards that were spare spare you know credit cards, mm-hmm. uh, and that's the end, sort of. Until we hop ahead to Pubert's first birthday, Fester meets a bald woman named Dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Wednesday tries to scare Joel to death by pulling a end of Carrie uh, sequence where Debbie's, quote-unquote, Debbie's hand pops out of her grave and uh, throttles. Well, not throttle. He just grabbed hand. his hand. Grabbed yeah. his hand, and he screams. Yeah. And that's the end of the movie. I guess she scared him to death is what we're... Sure. But that whole climax, I mean, I know it's a silly movie, but it was so choppy because, one, they have a baby that's 
cut up between just shots of the baby laughing, an automated baby crawling, yeah, like a, like a lot of like baby. weird shots where I'm like, wait, what's going on? How is this all working? It was hard to just place what I was supposed to be buying into right yeah. now. Um, so the climax is a kind of a mess on top of which it all seems to be circumstantial. And I remember in the first Adams family movie, like, uh, their lawyer who's trying to cheat them out of their fortune ties Morticia up is like taking her hostage and Gomez comes to save her, which makes him like an active participant in what's going on. Whereas Pubert is just like a happenstance a baby, yeah. agent of chaos, neutral good, I guess. And who, <laughs> who, uh, just, uh, you know, causes a bunch of mayhem, which results in Debbie dying, murders a woman. Um, I am surprised by the amount of dead bodies that the Adams have to deal with for being as nice a family as they are. There was a dead body tied to Fester and Debbie's yes. wedding uh, uh, car. But, you know, you sometimes it's, just have that. When you have a, just a you know, graveyard I mean, in your backyard, it's fine. Yeah. In re- I mean, in real life, it was just a visual gag because they have the, the cans tied to the back, and there's also a body. Right. But, I mean, as far as, like, who that actually was, we never have any idea. <laughs> um, but, I mean, overall, I mean, this is a great Laugh-A-Minute movie. Yeah, do you want to go to gags. the... Want to go to the verdict? I, I do want to say one thing before we go. Yeah. Because I want to throw her in for the nomination of okay. Catherine oh, yeah. Rivera. Are we going to do that in the, in the uh Yeah, verdict? we'll throw that in. Okay. Carol Kane plays Grandmama. She gets a few good lines. She yeah. talks about dimples. Yeah. She said when the baby is sick, she says, he could become a lawyer. An orthodontist. And this was funnier probably, you know, a year ago. She says, oh, president. president, in her Carol Kane cartoon voice. Uh, she also says when they, they go to visit Fester, because he has cut off all ties to them, and uh, she walks into Debbie's house and says, I recognize this place. Oh, yes, the gates of hell. <laughs> Uh, and Morticia gets a great line there where she says, you've enslaved Fester and broken his spirit that I could forgive. But Debbie, pastels? <laughs> Which makes me laugh. And it's also what sets Debbie over the edge and says, get out of my house! Um, so I love Carol Kane. Anytime she shows up, I love her. Anytime I see a picture of her, I smile. Like, I love Carol Kane. I'm all in on Carol Kane. Okay. All right. In life. I don't mean for this award necessarily. Okay. All right. I don't want to show my hand to her. Okay. Well, but, but I love. Do you, should we do the nominees before the, before we go? All right. Yes. The nominees. Okay. Um, so I don't, I don't know if we can, cause I feel like Christina Ricci is a, is a lead. Like, is a, like, can she be nominated? I didn't say that she wasn't a lead. Can a quarterback be named most valuable player? Yeah, I guess so. I know. So. I'm legitimately asking. Can a quarterback yes, be yes, named? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Okay. Well, then Christina Ricci. Uh-huh. Uh, Carol Kane. Uh, I'm Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Sure. And Dementia. No, about, I don't know. I mean, Christopher Lloyd, I guess, would be... If yeah, we, if actually, we you know four. what? I was going to be proud that we only named women, but yeah, yeah, Christopher Lloyd actually does a great job. He has the, yeah. the breadsticks in the nose. Come on. That's a classic that gets funnier with each generation. I, mean, I think, I think uh, everybody was good in this, I think, but I think, I mean, like Raul Julia and Angelica Houston didn't have enough comedic material to count for this award. Right. Angelica Houston didn't get enough? Angelica Houston? I mean, I think she was good with what she had to. She wanted the do. cat in the hat to die in the end. Do you want to nominate her? No, she. You, you have the power. She's fine. <laughs> All 
All right, so what would you say? Who would you be your pick be for MVP? Wait, you know what? Let's say it together on the count of three. From and the, by three, I mean, I'll say three and then we say it. From these five that we mentioned? Yeah. Can we say them again? Because I already forgot. Christina Ricci. Christina Car- Ricci, Carol Kane, Joan Cusack, Christopher Lloyd, other. Who is this uh, fifth one? Oh, yeah, I think it's just those four. All right. Okay. You got them? You got got your choice? Yeah. I'm going to count to three, and then we say it. Okay. One, two, three. Christina Christina Ricci. Yes! Yes. That's uh, Christina Ricci. Come on by next episode to accept your award. I'm going to write it out here. I'm going to just get your award right here. H. I'm just MVP. building your award, your award right now. <laughs> what a hammer sounds like for a thousand, Alex. That, How about just a Bic round stick pen? How about you give them that as an award if they uh, can well, pick the object you were using to hammer? A Bic round stick pen. <laughs> wow, you just really... In black. <laughs> All right, you want to go to the verdict? Yes. All right. Okay. The verdict, what do you think? Your inner child is not an idiot. It's no, great. this movie's great. What the fuck's Don't be your an problem? Idiot. Why do we even have to watch this? You I don't, don't fucking know this? This is hard. Like, I, it's, it's more enjoyable. The process of watching movies is way more enjoyable. But I always feel bad when we talk about a good movie because all we do is quote the movie. You know what I liked? The good parts. What yeah. about you? I also like the good parts. This was even funnier than I remembered it. It's a, oh, yeah. It's a funny movie. And yes, it def- definitely had third act problems, but it was like, you don't, you don't care by that point. And it's, it's pretty There are a bunch sh- of Satanists who are very sweet to each other like, in a nice family. It doesn't like drag on. It's a little silly, but it's not, it's not like, oh God, we get it. It's like it's not like Raul Julia has to like destroy the city and he says, it's the only way we can save the Adamses, which is what they would do if it was a remake now right chris pratt would be gomez adams <laughs> and like someone who just turned 19 would be morticia and yeah. then they would like like destroy half Zendaya the as mo- <laughs> <laughs> his morticia adams uh, actually she'd be a pretty you know good what? wednesday it's great she'd be a good wednesday yeah she's a little old but um tom yeah. holland is pugsley because now he'd be fit instead of a chubby kid this would be a great movie to watch on thanksgiving with your family yeah uh, gather all your lindas and phyllises and uh watch the adams family values get the council of lindas together (laughs) um what do you guys think why don't you call our hotline 615-576-0525 leave us a message bob defend yourself we can play it on the uh on the air (laughs) uh Email us. You're Don't child. make promises. <laughs> Email us at your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can find us uh, on Twitter at YICIAI. Go to our website, your inner child is an idiot.com. You can become a patron like our current patrons, Larissa Maestro, Dan McIntyre, Ghost in the Burbs, Jonathan Day, and President Donald Trump. Jonathan Day, I have misspelled your name for a very long time. I want to give you an on-the-air apology. I realized when I wrote your name you spelling in the D-A-E? credits... Were spelling I think I wrote uh, Jonathan with an O-N, or an A-N instead of an O-N. Whichever one you spell it is different than what I've done. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. I fixed it. Hopefully I won't do that again, uh, but I do apologize. Um, wow. You guys can... Get your names read uh, incorrectly in the credits, too. <laughs> Just become a patron on Patreon. Um, and you can also get uh, your name in the liner notes, and that's where I misspelled it. Whoop! There it is! The Adams Family! There it is! 